On today's episode, we continue through Grimm's Fairy Tales with a story titled The Fisherman and His Wife. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how fairy tales and folklore were way more entertaining and fun back when they were just dark, insane chaos, just before movies and TV shows just cleaned them up just to make them more family-friendly. We don't need family-friendly. We want entertaining. And these original stories were entertaining as all hell because they pulled no punches and just got real dark immediately. Sheer, hilarious chaos. So let's get into it with... The 19th of Grimm's Fairy Tales. We're working through Grimm's Fairy Tales from story number one to story number 100 and whatever. I actually don't know exactly how many we're going to go through. We're just going one at a time. And at the very end of the episode, I'll adapt it into a TV show or movie for the modern age. The Fisherman and His Wife. It's the 19th story of Grimm's Fairy Tales. We begin. Once upon a time, there was a fisherman who lived with his wife in a piss pot near the sea. I wasn't exaggerating when I said we just get right into the grisly insanity. You got a fisherman and his wife living in a piss pot near the sea. Every day the fisherman went out to fish, and all he did was fish and fish. As fishermen often do. One day he was sitting with his line and gazing into the clear water, and all he did was sit and sit. Suddenly his line sank deep down to the bottom, And when he pulled it up, he had a large flounder on the line, and the flounder said to him, "'Listen here, fisherman. I beg of you, let me live. I'm not a real flounder, but an enchanted prince. So what good would it do you to kill me?' "'I certainly wouldn't taste very good. Put me back into the water and let me go.' "'Hold on,' said the man. "'You don't have to waste your words on me. I would have thrown a talking fish back into the water anyway.' Well, clearly he does have to waste his words on you because it is the act of saying those words that's getting you to throw him back in anyway. He then put the fish back into the clear water and the flounder swam to the bottom, leaving behind a long streak of blood. Then the fisherman stood up and returned to the piss pot to be with his wife and told her that he had caught a flounder, but since it had been an enchanted prince, he had let him go. You'd think you would have asked for some sort of origin story or some sort of explanation. He didn't even ask, like, how did you become a flounder? Did you do it yourself, or were you turned into a flounder by a witch? He he doesn't have any questions. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Be on your way. No, wants no further explanation for a talking fish. Maybe the fish wants him to tell his parents back at the castle? No, none of that. Just see you later. We continue. Didn't you wish for anything? asked the wife. No, said the husband. What should I have wished for? Ah, said the wife, don't you think it's awful that we've got to live in this piss pot? It stinks, and it's disgusting. You should have wished for a little hut. Go back and call him. Tell him we want a little hut. I'm sure he'll give us one. The husband didn't think that this was the right thing to do, but he went back to the sea anyway, and when he arrived, the sea was green and yellow, and he stood on the shore and said, Flounder, flounder in the sea... If you're a man, then speak to me. Though I don't agree with my wife's request, I've come to ask it 
nonetheless. The flounder came swimming up to him and said, Well, what does she want? Really casual flounder here, I guess. Oh, said the man, my wife Isabel thinks I should have wished for something because I caught you. Since she doesn't want to live in a piss pot, she'd like to have a hut. Well, just stop calling it a piss pot. Words have valid, words have meaning. If you call your house a piss pot, it's going to feel like a piss pot. Since she doesn't want to live in a piss pot, she'd like to have a hut. Just go home, said the flounder. She's already got it. The fisherman went home, and his wife was standing in the doorway of a hut and said to him, Come inside, husband, look. Now isn't this much better? There was a stove and a parlor, also a kitchen. Behind the hut was a little yard, and garden with all kinds of vegetables and chickens and ducks. Oh, said the fisherman, now we can enjoy ourselves. Yes, said the wife, we're going to enjoy it. Everything went well for about a week or two. And then the wife said, Listen, husband, the hut is much too cramped, and the yard and garden are too little. I want a large stone castle. Go back to the flounder and tell him to give us a castle. Ah, wife, said the husband. We know the, hus- we know the wife's name is Isabel. Call her Isabel. Why don't, don't call your wife wife. The flounder has just given us a hut, and I don't want to go back again so soon. The flounder might be unwilling to do anything. What do you mean, said the wife? He can easily do it, and he'll be glad to do it. Just go back to him. So the fisherman left, and his heart grew heavy. When he got there to the sea, the water was purple, dark blue and gray, and dense, but still calm. Then he stood there and said, Flounder, flounder in the sea, if you're a man, then speak to me. Though I don't agree with my wife's request, I've come to ask it. Nonetheless. What now? What does she want? The flounder asked. Again, no words of greeting, flounder just rolling up real hard. Oh, said the fisherman, somewhat distressed. My wife wants to live in a large stone castle. Go home. She's standing in the front door, the flounder said. This flounder is efficient with his wish granting. The fisherman went home, and his wife was standing in front of a large palace. So, husband, she said, isn't this beautiful? He went inside with her, and there were many servants... And the walls were all bright. The chairs and tables were made of gold. Behind the place was a huge yard and a park half a mile long with deer and does and rabbits. There was also a stable for cows and horses. Oh, said the husband, now let's live in the beautiful castle and be content. We'll have to think about that, said the wife, and sleep on it. Not liking the sound of that. Then they went to bed. The next morning, the wife woke up. It was just daybreak, and she poked her husband in his side with her elbow and said, Husband, get up. We must be king and rule this entire country. All right, here we go. We knew this was, it was leading to this. Now we are escalating things much more quickly, and I'm here for it. She doesn't have to be rude about it, throwing elbows and all that. Ah, wife, said the husband. Why should we be king? I don't want to be king. Well, said the wife, then I'll be king. Oh, wife, said the husband. Again, it's getting a little condescending and patronizing, just calling his wife wife all the time. Then again, she calls him husband, so it's just their deal. Oh, wife, said the husband. Where can you be king? The flounder won't want to make you king. Husband, said the wife. Go straight to him and tell him I must be king. The fisherman went, but was distressed that his wife wanted to be king. In fairness, 
The flounder doesn't seem particularly bothered to be doing this. I mean, he doesn't seem super happy that he is getting pulled away from whatever he's doing to, to have to come and tend to the fisherman's need when he calls him. But in terms of actually granting the wishes, he doesn't give any pushback or anything. There's no warning. There's no caveats. He just does it immediately without question. So in fairness to the wife, Flounder doesn't seem to mind. So the fisherman went, but was very distressed that his wife wanted to be king. When he got to the sea, it was completely gray and black, and the water was fermenting from below. So this relationship between the wishes being granted and the sea and weather being messed up, a bit unclear. Maybe just some sort of indication that the balance of the universe is off because of this greed. The fisherman stood there and said, Flounder, flounder in the sea, if you're a man, then speak to me, though I don't agree with my wife's request. I've come to ask it nonetheless. Well, what does she want? asked the flounder. Love this flounder, straight to business. Oh, said the man, she wants to be king. Go back home, said the flounder. She's already king. And the man went home, and as he approached the palace, he saw that there were many soldiers, drums, and trumpets. His wife was sitting on a high throne of gold and diamonds, and she wore a large golden crown. Two rows of ladies-in-waiting were standing on either side of her, each lady a head shorter than the next. It's kind of a cool sight. They've got like a, a ramp of ladies-in-waiting. Oh, said the fisherman, now you're king, aren't you? <laughs> yes, said his wife. I am king. After he gazed at her for some time, it's an awkward entrance. Ah, so you're king now, eh? Yep, yep, I'm king. He said, oh, wife, it's wonderful that you're king. Now let's not wish for anything more. This is a good tactic. It's like giving her a pat on the back. Hey, this is great, but let's, let's, let's just keep it to this. No, husband, the wife said as she became very restless. And apparently this is happening almost instantly now that she's becoming dissatisfied with her recent upgrade. I have too much time on my hands and I can't stand it anymore. I'm king, but now I also want to be emperor. What does she mean she has too much time on her hands and she can't stand it anymore? He just got back to her being king. The only time that's passed is him gazing at her for a little while. Oh, wife, said the fisherman, why do you want to be emperor? Husband, she said, Go to the flounder. I want to be emperor. There's not really any gratitude coming from the wife either. The husband for making all this happen. Oh, wife, the husband said, he can't make you emperor. I don't want to tell that to the flounder. I'm king, she said, and you're just my husband. Go there at once. Well, now she's talking down to him. He's the one that made her king, basically, via the flounder. But if he hadn't done his initial saving of the flounder, none of this would be happening. The fisherman went away, but as he was walking, he thought, This won't turn out well at all. It's outrageous for her to be emperor. The flounder is going to become sick and tired of this in the end. When he got to the sea, it was all black and dense, and a strong wind whipped across the surface and made the water curdle. Ugh. Then the fisherman stepped forward and said, same thing. Flounder, flounder in the sea, if you're a man, then speak to me. Though I don't agree with my wife's request, I've come to ask it nonetheless. Well, what does she want? Asked the flounder. Oh, flounder, he said, my wife wants to be emperor. Go back home, said the flounder. She's already emperor. 
Then the man went home, and when he arrived, he saw his wife sitting on a very high throne made of a single piece of gold. She was wearing a large crown three yards tall and covered with diamonds and garnets. Three yards? There's a nine-foot-high crown on this lady's head? It's ridiculous. She was flanked on either side by two rows of bodyguards, each man shorter than the next, beginning with a tremendous giant two miles tall and ending with the tiniest dwarf who was no bigger than my pinky. I don't know how good the dwarf would be at, you know, being security or guards, although they would be very good at espionage and sneaking into places and doing things like that. And then you could get the kind of small dwarves to... Pretend to be kids for espionage in schools. And for the giants, you have them pretend to be buildings and be do building espionage. It's got to be a thing. Just, just, you know, put boxes around them. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the weeds of this. There were also many princes and dukes standing before her, and her husband stepped up and said, Wife, now you're emperor, aren't you? Yes, she said. I'm emperor. Oh, said the fisherman, and he gazed at her for some time. It's wonderful that you're emperor. Husband, she replied, why are you standing there like that? I'm emperor, but now I also want to be pope. Oh, wife, said the husband, why do you want to be pope? Husband, she said, I want to be pope. No, wife, said the fisherman, the flounder can't make you pope. It won't turn out well. Stop talking nonsense, husband, said the wife. If you can make me emperor, you can also make me pope. Go there at once. The wife's not really exploring the benefits of being king or emperor or anything like that. She's just sitting on the throne for a little while and then being like, okay, well, where do I go from here? What's the next thing up? And I guess the next thing up from emperor is pope. Didn't realize that was the hierarchy here. But yeah, live a little. Step off the throne, get out there, ride some horses, I don't know, do some fun stuff. You're king, you're emperor. You don't have to just sit on your throne. That's not where the benefits are, I'm guessing. It's probably an actually, like, living as these authoritative figures with all this cool power and, and the ability to basically do whatever you want. She hasn't done anything. Just throne time until she gets bored and then just wants another, another promotion from the flounder. So the fisherman went off, but he felt rather queasy. He was trembling, and his knees began to wobble. A strong wind swept across the land. The water rose up in waves, and the waves splashed against the shore. Ships were in distress as they were tossed up and down by the waves. Though there was still a little blue in the middle of the sky, the horizon was completely red. That's bad. As if a thunderstorm were coming. Then he stepped forward and said, Flounder, flounder, in the sea, if you're a man, then speak to me. Though I don't agree with my wife's request, I've come to ask it, nonetheless. Well, what does she want? asked the flounder. Oh, the man said, she wants to be pope. Go back home, said the flounder, she's already pope. So the man went home, and when he arrived, his wife was sitting on a throne two miles high. That is too high for a throne. How do you get down? And was wearing three large golden crowns on her head. Also impractical. Numerous bishops and priests were standing around her, and there were two rows of candles on either side. The biggest candle was as thick and as large as the highest tower, and the tiniest was a church candle. That would look pretty epic, to be honest. Pretty cool arrangement. Wife, 
the man said as he took a good look at her. Are you Pope? Yes, she said. I'm Pope. Oh, wife, he said, isn't it wonderful that you're Pope? You must be satisfied. Now that you're Pope, you can't become anything greater. I'll think about it, said the wife. <sighs> yeah, it's not going to go well. Then they both went to bed, but she wasn't satisfied, and her ambition prevented her from sleeping. She kept thinking of ways she might become greater than she was. When the sun began to rise, she sat at the window and thought, Aha! I could also make the sun rise. And she became quite grim and poked her husband and said, Husband, go to the flounder. I want to be like God. The husband was still half asleep, but he was so shocked by what she had said that he fell out of the bed. Ah, oh, wife, he said, be content and remain pope. No, his wife said, I won't have any peace of mind and won't be able to bear it until I can make the sun and moon rise. I want to be like God. Ah, wife, the husband said, the flounder can't do that. He can make you emperor and pope, but he can't make you God. Husband, she said, and looked ghastly. I want to be like God. I want you to go to the flounder at once. Now his limbs began to tremble, and he was filled with fear. Outside, a great storm was raging, so much that all the trees and mountains were shaking. The mountains are shaking now? At this point, if you're king and you're emperor, if you're emperor of a hellscape with horrible red skies and terrible storms all the time, it's not even really going to be very fun to be emperor of a place like that. But in any event, everything's going poorly, the storm is raging, all the mountains are shaking, apparently. Definitely not good. The sky was pitch black, and there was thunder and lightning. Black waves rose up in the sea as high as mountains, and they all had crests of white foam on top. Then the fisherman said, Flounder, flounder in the sea, if you're a man, then speak to me, though I don't agree with my wife's request. I've come to ask it nonetheless. You know what? At this point, the caveat that he doesn't agree with the wife's request is meaningless because he's just going to ask it anyway, and you're culpable a bit for relaying this request. He hasn't put his foot down once. Granted, he hasn't had any pushback from the flounder to put his foot down once, but constantly saying, is my wife's idea, is not, is not flying anymore. Take some accountability. Take some ownership, buddy. You're playing a part in perpetuating this madness yourself. Well, what does she want? The flounder asked. Oh, he said, she wants to be like God. Go back home. She's sitting in your piss pot again. Boom! Flounder dropping a bomb. And that's where they are still sitting this very day. The end. You know, I like that. Escalate, escalate, escalate. Abrupt ending. Crashing back down to earth. I'm into it. So there we go. The fisherman and his wife. The lesson is obviously greed and overzealous ambition will only lead to your ruin. Which is a good lesson, not to be overly greedy. But I think the real lesson should be just take stock of your surroundings and the situation and how things are developing and take that into account, and then don't be afraid to put a stop to things. 
Presumably the wife can see all this terrible weather happening as well. And the husband certainly can, because it gets even worse whenever he goes back to the flounder. And so seeing all of this, just put your foot down. Husband at no point says, no, I'm not going to go. He always goes. And the wife, even seeing all of this, always asks him to go. She's clearly sort of like off the rails at this point. But I think that's the real lesson. Take stock of your surroundings to know when to stop. See how your requests and actions are affecting the world around you. And be ready to put a stop to things when your forward momentum and greed and ambition seem to be getting out of hand. We all need some ambition. Y'all need a little bit of ambition. Don't be content with your piss pot. I don't think that's a good anything. Don't be content with your piss pot. But know when to stop. And how do you know when to stop? React to situations as they develop. Also, you know what? A second better lesson, I think, is when you take a step up in life, or when you achieve something, or when you get an improvement in status or means or anything or just your life situation in general, enjoy it. Take a walk around. Don't just sit on the throne and then try to get to the next rung on the ladder. Take a walk around. Your your kingdom, whatever that may be, even if it's just a hut. Walk around the garden. Walk around the park in town. You know? I think that's a better lesson. As you take steps up in this, you know, ambitious whatever your ambition is, as you take steps up the ladder, don't forget to stop at those steps and take a look around and enjoy the fruits of the status that you have achieved or the place that you've gotten to yourself. Enjoy it. Take a moment. That's the real lesson. That's the lesson that we're going to end up with. All right, there we go. Fisherman and his wife. Now, how are we going to adapt this? It's a pretty simple story. I don't think it would be particularly compelling as is. So let's make it a modern-day adaptation. In place of the husband and the wife, we're going to have two police officers. They're going to be played by Michaela Cole, who's fantastic, and Jake Gyllenhaal. And now these two police officers, one day they catch a a sort of crazy, mysterious, almost cult-like figure. They they capture him and, and put him in prison, And this is played by Benicio Del Toro, let's say. You need someone a little kind of crazy, like feeling sort of ethereal. Seems like he sort of knows everything or can do otherworldly things. And so Michaela Cole is visiting him one day in prison because he can give her information on other cases, I guess. So she visits him regularly. And let's say that when she arrested Benicio Del Toro, she did him some kindness, like she spared his pride or or his family and and or took care of his family in some way so that they wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't fall victim to to his being sent to prison and so he's grateful to her for that and she says that oh my my partner he's he, he's sick of us being just low level police officers he really wants to to improve his status i just want to do it through hard work i'm i'm Michaela Cole i just want to get get up to Chief of Police on my own laurels, but Jake Gyllenhaal, he he just wants the he just wants the glory. He just wants to cut straight to it. And Benicio del Toro says, "Go back to the station. He's already detective." Michaela Cole goes back. He's already detective. He says, "This is great. What happened?" She she says, "Oh, I explained the situation." And 
mob boss Benicio del Toro, mystical mob boss Benicio, just made you detective. And he's like, oh, well, can he make me chief of police if he made me, make me detective? And she says, I don't want to ask him. And Jake Gyllenhaal, you now he started, gets that glint in his eye. It's that greed. He says, go back and ask him. Let's see Let's let's see if he can do it. So Michaela Cole says, all right, fine. She goes back, asks him again. She's she's reticent to do so, but she does so anyway. Then she gets back and to find that Jake Gyllenhaal is being sworn in as chief of police, and it's going well. And that's when everything sort of sets in. And Jake Gyllenhaal says, now, now, now I need to be need to be mayor. I need to keep this going. Michaela Cole says, no, we, 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 we're where we want to be. We're chief of police. We can do, do some good. Jake John Hall says, no, we can do even more good and protect people even better if we're the mayor and we have more authority and we can do more. And that's the argument, that if we have more control and more power, then we can protect people more and do, do a more thorough job of that. And Michaela Cole says, okay, I guess that makes sense, but it seems a little overly ambitious and almost almost manipulative but all right so she goes back asks to be mayor he does the cycle repeats says no we should now i want to be senator or minister of parliament or you know what have you and then benicio says all right it, so be it meanwhile there's sort of news stories in the background that you see on like newspaper headlines or on the tvs in the background that there's sort of natural disasters happening and the climate change angle is is kind of right there for us. You know, that drive for the greed and ambition and domination and power is destroying the planet. Extreme weather events and all that. That's the sort of a subplot that's happening in the background. Michaela Cole doesn't really know that it's related, but there's just crazy stuff happening. And she's not sure why, but Jake Gyllenhaal is now just on a total tear I'm a senator. Then he says, no, I need to be president now. Michaela Cole says, we got to stop. It's going too far. Jake Gyllenhaal says, I am Senator Jake Gyllenhaal, and I'm ordering you to blah, 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 blah. Go tell Benicio. So Benicio says, all right, he's president. And then he becomes president. And then it becomes, I don't know, where do you go from there? Then it becomes some sort of head of a coalition of nations says I need I need more power to be able to protect more people and do more good and exert our positive influence on more parts of the world. So he is the leader of this coalition of nations, but it's not enough. He needs to control the entire world. And so he says, "Go tell Benicio del Toro to make me king of the world essentially or president of the universe because though he can do the most good if we have the most authority." And if he can, if there's no end to this power that he can give me, I need to just have all the power. And Michaela Cole says, it's a bad idea. I won't do it. I refuse. So she just goes off to help the the people who are trying to, to heal the, the issue with the planet or to find some alternate path of, of helping rectify all of this chaos that has been wrought. And Jake Gyllenhaal goes to the prison and there's a face-off between him and Benicio and they're talking, and, and Jake Gyllenhaal says, so I need to be king of the world, essentially. And Benicio says, go back to your home. You are a policeman again. And just before our very eyes, Jake Gyllenhaal is 
president suit and i don't know what he wears he's gonna have a bunch of like military badges and stuff it all washes away and he's just a simple police officer once again and now michaela cole is elevated as like a leader of humanity in in working together with the environment and with the world around us and she goes to a conference to deliver the keynote speech and who is working security for her but policeman jake gyllenhaal the end. So yeah, there we go. It was a bit more elaborate of an adaptation than I usually do, but I like it. We can do it. That's more of a drama. Usually we do comedy adaptations here. That's definitely a drama. I think it would work best as a movie. I don't think you could really... You could stretch it into like a miniseries if you wanted, I guess, and spend some more time with Jake Gyllenhaal being a psycho and doing all this stuff and exerting his power and climbing up the ladder and all that. But I think it would work better as a movie. So yeah, we'll do it as a movie. And that's how we adapt it. That's how we do it. Let's make it happen. That is all for this week's episode of the Shadowverse Story Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. You can send me some of your own adaptation ideas over on Twitter or Instagram. I do not spend much time on Twitter or Instagram. I just thought I should have those if I have a podcast, I guess. But I'm not really a huge social media person which should probably come as no surprise for someone who is a writer who has a podcast about folk tales but yeah send those to me on twitter or instagram and then i'll have a reason to be on twitter or instagram also check out the website shatterbearstorysessions.com you can donate you can contact me i'd love to hear from you and that'll do it for this week's episode next week we have a story titled a story about a brave tailor keeping it simple letting us know what it's about right at the beginning. Thank you for listening. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Mm-hmm.